0: Well, hello everybody, I'm Dell Shores. And I am Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. The real gay. Oh, uh, hi Dell Shores, happy Friday.
1: Do we have anybody listening at this early hour? Do we have we do. an audience?
0: We do, y'all, we got, we're up and climbing above 30 at our normal pace. Thank you all for joining us early on this Friday afternoon. Happy hour time on the East Coast. It's because my at-home studio is booked in the next hour, and at this time, I did not get priority. See, there are, some, um, there are some perks to being
1: pathetically single where no one is your competition in your
0: home. But bless his heart, we've talked about Blake just suffers through us yelling and giggling at each other on this thing twice a week since the dawn of the pandemic. Uh, so I figured this one time I could, you know, defer.
1: I think there's a probably a perpetual eye roll
0: from Blake MacGyver with this show. Be like he loves it. It's funny though when he has commentary after the show. You know, I get the instant recap. Oh, okay. Well good. Well we should oh maybe we should have a little, you know, a little summary from
1: Blake MacGyver for the show. Be like
0: look, when we start charging for this and it goes on the Patreon page. Um, right. Look, some people, Alan even said he could catch us live for a change. So see, different times, different strokes, different folks.
1: Hey, I'm okay with a 2 o'clock, 2.30. We thought we couldn't do 2 o'clock because I had a doctor's appointment. Good doctor's appointment. My doctor, Emerson, told me that my mobility in my new shoulder was just sick. <gasps> and I just love that my, my kind of conservative doctor, Dr. Itamira, said, your mobility is just sick.
0: Oh, uh, so. your, sh- your shoulder doctor is sort of hip. So yes, yeah. Does,
1: yes. does he
0: also do hips? I think.
1: He- <laughs> 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 look, I I actually listened and laughed, you ever said you I know. Look at us. <sighs> Not.
0: Oh, uh, before I forget, one of our dearest friends of the show here, Erica Kopage, celebrated a birthday yesterday. Really? Just want to send her some love. Y'all know her. She's the one we always yell, Erica, look something up because we're too lazy to Google on the exact same computers that we're broadcasting the show from. But Erica, we love you deeply and we're sure glad you were born.
1: Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I had a little, a little chat with her yesterday. So she's been in our lives for a really long time. So happy birthday, Erica. And yeah. son, oh, we, you want to tell what we got going?
0: Well, yes. Well, y'all, you know, Della and Beverly D'Angelo, you know, have become the the sisters from what Christmas practically through the lockdown. You know, <laughs> just, that's what I'm waiting on is you and Beverly D'Angelo to sing a tenor and alto or alto and bass version of sisters. Would well, she be uh, the bass or would <laughs> I? Well, I think she'd be a strong te- You'd just be both be tenors. I think that's where you would be. Um, but of course, you know, they've been regaling everyone with their hijinks out and about in the lockdown. And so we drove up to Santa Barbara to see her and y'all, it was one of those moments for uh, life moments for me personally. It was just delightful. She
1: loved you, she just kept raving about how smart you are. She's like, That's so smart. Um. That's my best, per- that's my best performance as pretending yes, to be we smart. had a great time. We, we, you know, Beverly's been taking care of her daughter up there. So, so, some medical stuff. It's gone very, very well. And uh, so she rented a house because uh, the doctor's up there. So the, the appointments are frequent. And uh, so, but we talk many times uh, daily. But uh, my favorite moment, I think, was when Beverly picked up an electric guitar and Yo. had written a song that's based on our relationship about being basically, you're so gay and I love you. And it was fantastic, was it not?
0: Oh my gosh, it was life changing. Like y'all, this iconic actress of TV and screen gave a command performance of a song she wrote about Del Shores and I just got to sit there and watch. Y'all, I mean. It's talked Everybody.
1: about 28 uh, vinyls of Barbara Streisand. I just told her a few, she collected all the things I told her over the years. It was so great. And then th- when we were talking about it one night, I was cooking dinner for you and Blake and Matt and telling her how easy it was. And that's where she wrote the casual, you do a dinner party for eight and act like it's so easy.
0: Yes. I mean, it's literally a laundry list of Del Shore's character traits. Like she definitely listens when you talk. She does, she does. Oh, um uh, so I love that was that. Really a lot of fun. Yes, it was. We got a big show. Today we're going to do Black Knight Brawl, a stoning threat, an anchorman, weatherman got engaged, a Hong Kong activist, more Olympics, a bi-man court win, story hour threats, the white lotus scene, lesbian judges, Miranda Lambert-Reebix, and more. Yes, more. Lots of fun things. Like, I asked Dale before the show, I said, do we have any stories? I don't know about anybody else, but like life is back with a vengeance. And now I just the list of things I need to get done each day just gets longer and longer rather than shorter and shorter before we head off to Dallas. To choose well, yeah. Dallas.
1: Well, 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 first of all, Emerson is our hero and one of our heroes, uh, Allison Stewart, other heroes of the Del Shores Foundation. And we're having, as you know, this big event on August the 22nd. So there's a lot of prep work, a lot of press. And Emerson, thank you for all that work you've done because you done so much. A grand old time. And so we are in prep right now to do a very sordid wedding at Uptown Players, and we love them so much. And yesterday we got some shattering news. One of our actors who uh, refuses to be vaccinated and had to, uh, you know, make us make the decision to recast because it's not just up to us, it's uh, an equity, actors' equity issue. And uh, it, was, it really pissed me off because there's been four months that this actor knew about this requirement. And three weeks before we started, uh, before we start rehearsal, leaves us scrambling. So it put me in such a bad mood. And so I wanted to talk about how, I want to ask you guys, how do you not allow sometimes, how do you stop the... Uh, you know, being angry or or circumstances in your life, how do you stop it from derailing your day? And that's exactly what it did for me. I was in the middle of writing my new play, the other one and rewriting. And then suddenly this came in and it just derailed me.
0: So Well, it's, I've always stuck to that thing. People say, you know, you can't control uh, what happens, but you can control your reaction to it. The thing is, that's not always true and it's not always easy, Uh, but it's the part I try to work through on my own of like, okay, that is upsetting to me. Now what I do with the rest of that I am upset, that is the piece I can work at controlling, but sometimes it's okay to go, yeah, I can't. Like This is a big, strong reaction I'm having. Let it work through you and then pick up and move on. I think that's totally fair.
1: Yeah, it was. uh, And and, and in our defense, I mean, you know, as as the rage was boiling inside me, I was so pissed off. I was also at the same time thinking of other actors that I loved in Dallas, thinking about who could replace, how we're going to do these auditions. I mean, we have three weeks. We're not in Dallas until the weekend that we start rehearsal. So we can't audition in person. And that's what I like to do as a director. I love to audition in person. So we're going to have to audition on Zoom. But we had to make all of these decisions. Like I said, he left us scrambling. And uh, his loss, and we move on. His loss, and we're going to have a fabulous production. We have an amazing cast there, all of whom are going to be vaccinated, because that's what equity says has to happen. Yes. Uh, Tim asked, which night are you going to be at the show? You'll be at all the shows, right? Show I'll be sweating, worried. Yeah. Is this going to happen? Is this sound cue going to happen? Is this actor going to be able to make that wig change and come back as another character? Uh, yes. It's a very right, well, ambitious project. Yes.
0: All right, well, on to our LGBTQ news and nonsense stories. I started with a story that I'm not actually familiar with from LGBTQ history. So I wanted to share it with all of you. Maybe you are not as well. Uh, on August 6th, 1961, nearly eight years before Stonewall, the Black Knight Brawl took place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at a bar that catered to the LGBTQ community, the Black Knight. Four sailors went to the bar on a dare and were chased off by a patron, Josie Carter. Well, they are celebrating the 60th anniversary this year of the Black Knight Brawl, and Carter, a gender nonconforming black queen, said in 2011, telling of the story, We didn't start anything, but we sure as hell finished it. When he tried to kick them out, they all tried to fight him. And I went out there with a beer bottle in each hand, ready to knock some heads. This man turned on me. I thought he would kill me. I let him have everything that was in that bottle, and he went down. Well, the man's friends took him to the hospital, and they returned later that night to clean up the bar and teach those sick faggots a lesson. Uh, there were now nearly 75 patrons in the bar, and it was a big brawl. One patron was thrown through a broken window. Another had a concussion from being hit on the head with a bar stool and was in critical condition for weeks. When all was said and done, it was nearly $2,000 worth of damage, their entire liquor stock was destroyed. They destroyed an electric organ, a jukebox, and all of the windows. In this case, though, police defended the bar and its patron, arrested the attackers, and took them into custody. The original four sailors were charged with disorderly conduct, but a judge dropped the charges, citing lack of evidence. So, 60 years later, Carter was an icon of the Milwaukee community there until her death in 2014. And Governor Tony Evers proclaimed yesterday the anniversary as Black Night Remembrance Day throughout the state. And I always think those stories are important for us to know. You know, it's like the Black Cat here in LA. The uh, cafeteria in San Francisco, the stories that, of our community fighting back that happened prior to Stonewall because I feel like they're much lesser known and I'd never heard of this one.
1: Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that. That was, it just made me have an idea. I'll talk to you about it after the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it generated a really strong idea.
0: Uh, being I created, but Do we have anybody from Wisconsin here? You know, does anybody know that story? Cause I've heard a lot of the big ones Um, You know, in my own journey and being aware of our history of our community, but that was a full eight years. That may be the earliest one I've heard of that is like a big fight back uh, at a public place. And it really raised the profile of the community in Wisconsin with the way it was in the news there. Um, and I love that she was an inspiration to them for the entire rest of her life.
1: Yeah, I do too. I love, I love that quote where she said that with that that beer bottle where she said, we didn't start something, but we sure as hell finished it. And, yes. You know, anyway, it, it was great.
0: That, what a great story. Um, I know and and important because like they're you know these things aren't in our history books it's like it's sort of up to us with each other and within the community to make sure we tell the stories to each other and keep the records uh just so we know where we came from and the shoulders that we stand on and, and, and going into the other story where we came from
1: it's, it's stuff is still going on I mean you know it's like I I, I often said with Southern Baptists, I wish it were a period piece. I wish it would become a period piece, but people still write me about the rhetoric that they're hearing in the churches and here in uh, Klamath Falls.
0: Wait, uh, before you get to that, David did answer and said, I was born and live in Wisconsin and have never heard of this. Heard you know, of it. We don't know we our need, close
1: history. We, we, need, we need more uh, more education for our queer history. So th- this is, uh, this is not history yet. It just happened, but Eric Ostenberg is an assistant, uh, to the city manager in Klamath falls. That's in Oregon. And his staff, uh, and uh, led for the city, uh, uh city uh, equity task force was to deliver a final report to the city council about its finding on racial equ- uh, equity. A man asked him, Oh, so you think we're all racist? You think uh, you are the second coming of Christ. And Ostenberg says the man accused him of spreading HIV and AIDS, saying he was blasphemous for being a black gay man. The man reportedly then said, you are a sinner and you need to be stoned. And yes, it does say in the Bible that we should be stoned. It does. But it also says adulterers. It has a, there's a lot of people that should be stoned. A lot, a big old list in the Bible. Uh, rebellious children. Uh, so he, so this, But this guy brought a stone to this meeting. He had an actual rock with him. Yes, he was escorted out uh, by the police. And he didn't throw it, but, and then he was released and sent home after being arrested. But he, he brandished
0: the stone. No, rather than being arrested, he wasn't arrested. They just sent him home. Oh, rather than being arrested. He, I thought he was arrested, and then they let him go.
1: No, 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 you're right. They did not even arrest him. So Ostenberg began his report telling them about the incident, saying, I just want to start the meeting off by pointing out to you that just having a simple conversation about racism in our community is gaining that level of violence, the threat
0: of violence. The threat
1: threatened him with a stone.
0: I like, you know, we've lived our whole lives with hearing those like stoning Bible verses. So it's almost like this imaginary thing for me, you know, to, but can you imagine looking at someone holding an actual rock talking about stoning? You know, it's like we've never seen a stoning in our, in our I've never, you know, but the visceral reality of someone taking what feels like a hyperbolic biblical metaphor, even though they really did it and walking into the space and saying, I brought this rock because you need to be stoned. Like with the intent to throw a rock at a person and then not arresting him. That's not just a verbal threat. That's a like threat with intent. Why else you got that rock? Right. I'm pretty sure if he had had a pistol and he brandished the pistol, he would have been arrested. Right. You know, like, uh, what's this? I just carry it around for my rock collection. You know, the, the, and the terror the, the, and what he said about it, right? This is, his report is literally just about the current state of racial equity in their city. This is like not calling everybody racist, just talking about where are we on dealing with representation and different kinds of engagement. Just the report drove this man crazy enough to show up and say, bring a rock and say, I want to stone you because you're calling everybody racist. Like the extremism of just having the conversation.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, this is when we need Josie Carter to show up with a beer bottle. I mean, I'm just saying, like we're prepared. Dwayne said his pet rock, no doubt. Can you imagine it's a pet rock? Like it, like throw, Like you brought your rock and your cat and couldn't decide which pet to throw at somebody. Uh, Erica did hear our birthday message. She was in the RV earlier commenting on YouTube while she was stopped at a light. Now she's at Discount Tires. Erica, thank you for keeping us abreast of your situation and location. (laughs) We will be pausing every
1: five minutes to tell you where Erica is next.
0: (laughs) That's right. Now, I want to know, are you replacing one or all four tires? I more than once in my life have only replaced one tire because I was broke, even though they tell you always replace at least two at a time so it stays even. And they try to upsell you to get you to do all four and buy the super premium whatever nonsense, I, d- I just go, Ugh, and wanna run away. And then get the insurance, be sure to get the oh, insurance. Yes. Always, I'm like, I've never told this story in the show. Y'all wanna hear one of the stories that makes me that sound the dumbest I have ever sounded? Real yeah. sick off topic. Okay, now backstory. I learned to drive at 16 in Houston, uh, very late in my sophomore year, because I was doing a play. And then we moved to Singapore that summer. So I only drove for like eight weeks before we moved overseas. And then when I got to college, I had a car, drove it around. My grandfather lived in Waco, and so he would take care of the car stuff for me. And y'all, I got a flat tire my sophomore year in front of this house that I lived in with seven frat boys, and I was like, oh, there's a spare in the back. I know how to change the spare. So I put the spare on the car and was like, well, I don't need the old tire, and threw it into the yard and drove off to meet my grandfather at the tire place to get it replaced. And when I got there, he said, where's the wheel? And I said, what do you mean? He was like, the wheel part, the silver in the middle. They only replaced the rubber on the outside. And I, y'all, I all, but like explosive diarrhea all over myself, imagining it was literally, I just tossed it six feet into our front yard that was three houses down from Taco Cabana and Wendy's and Fazole's. And I said, oh, I left it at the house and I have never driven so fast in my life hyperventilating think what am i going to tell him if that wheel is gone and found it in the yard threw it into the trunk and drove back over there and y'all i did not tell him that to the day he died well uh, two things that i observe about this first of all
1: yes it was very stupid or i would say ignorant is more appropriate
0: no stupid
1: it was kind of trashy that you threw that, that. It's just like a level
0: of white trash throwing a... Oh, yeah. I was like, like, I don't have time ball. to deal with this right now. I got to get this tire replaced so I can get back to the show choir rehearsal. I've got a busy day, y'all. Uh, the full wheel. Just didn't occur to me that only the rubber part is whatever what you see on the tires. So,
1: you're welcome. Well. You know, as much as I resisted, my poor daddy, William David Shores, Dub, as his friends called him, he taught me
0: way more than I wanted to know about cars. So I knew better than to do something like that. Well, I did not. So, but I learned my lesson and got that tire replaced and nobody was the wiser until this very day when I just shared it with all of you. You're welcome. All right, I'll get us back on track real quick. Just a really sweet, cute story out of Houston, Texas. Stephen is a news anchor and he just came out on Instagram to announce he is engaged to weatherman Stephen Morgan. First of all, their names are both Stephen. It's one of they're spelled different, which has to be difficult. And they are an anchorman and a newsman and engaged. He wrote on Instagram, I grew up with secrets. But what my family didn't know, essentially, was that I had a secret to carry all on my own. I was gay and trying with all my heart not to be. It took me years to see, despite what people at church might have said, being gay saved me, made me strong, strong enough to eventually stand next to the best human I've ever met and ask him to marry me. And then on Morgan, on his, he posted the same photo and also talked about the impact of the church saying, I often think about one specific prayer I said as a 10 year old asking God to keep a secret between the two of us. Obviously God knows everything. So it wasn't like I could hide it from him but I could hide it from most of my friends, from my family. How relieving though, that the truth eventually comes out. Growing up, I learned God is love and makes no mistakes. God knew a 10 year old could never keep a secret. Funny." because I don't want to keep this a secret any longer. And they are now moving to New York where one of them got a new job and so off on a new adventure.
1: Well, they're both very articulate and beautifully said and they're beautiful.
0: That's what, a, well, what like, a beautiful couple. Being from Houston myself, I thought about, you know, I that story he said of being a 10 year old and asking God, y'all, I remember being seven years old and staring at the light in my grandparents' bedroom saying, just prove to me some way that this is real and you're real and we'll get through this together. I think so many of us have that. It's what Sissy's was about and that journey and having both of them share the shame and stigma that made it take them so long, but that the love and engagement they have for each other mm. so that is uh, where they have got past it to share it with the world. I always what see happened? Them. What happened over there? Uh, well Rebecca, oh, my okay. daughter Rebecca is here.
1: Uh, she comes and visits me often, and many times she brings her laundry. So she is doing laundry while I'm doing the show, and I love her here. Yay! So, hi, Becca. Emerson says hi. hi. Everybody else says hi. Um, so, y'all, I know that you. We've all been trying to figure out where COVID came from. Was it yes. from the lab in Wuhan? Was it you know where did uh, who was who was patient zero? Well, they have we we've, we've got the answer for you. The gays are responsible for COVID. Um, I knew it. That is, uh yes we're being blamed for it this time by Christian authors William Koenig and Jane Markle uh, which obviously you look at both of them and you could tell that they have absolutely no gay friends based on their wardrobe and their hair uh, so they've uh, Koenig has written several books on the end times Y'all uh-huh. oh that's a sign of end times mm-hmm. uh, he was on Jan Markle's um, I love the title of her show, "Understanding the Times." Uh-huh. Uh, that's her radio show. Uh, so, Markle said the last letter in the LGBTQ is for Q, is for questioning, which is the mission to confuse kids enough that they question their sexuality, so that they can be groomed and evangelized. It's so true. Bill says uh, says, "Oh, uh, uh, Jan," she says, "It's so true, Bill." This is a war on the children. The Bible is clear. If you're going to go after the children, God's going to have the last word on that. He agreed. He nodded his head with fervor. And he said, I really sense that COVID is part of the judgment. We had a national shutdown last summer. We had every major sports league that favored the LGBT agenda and even took on states for their bathroom bills. When you think about Hollywood, Hollywood was shut down. We thought fashion was shut down. Retail was shut down. Well, all these areas that were so pro-LGBT, the COVID shut them down, and I don't know if they'll ever recover. You're absolutely right, Jan. Don't touch our children. This crosses the line. It is tragic to see what they are doing, and our God is going to respond even greater. This is judgment. You know, I just, this, this kind of stuff, I mean, I know that's funny. It's, I, I did it funny. It infuriates me so much because they always go that we're pedophiles. I, because of this story today, I just started Googling the stats. And for every 11 straight pedophiles, there's one gay one, according to some stats. They've done lots of research on it. And it's just, it's, it's much more of a straight epidemic. Uh, than than in the gay world. And it just pisses me off that they always go to that to make us, to villainize us.
0: Yep. It's been the longest, it was the earliest, most successful tactic. And there are those still running with it. But I'm still stuck on like where his brain arrived at that like sports and Hollywood and retail were all shut down for being pro-LGBT. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think the gap has a lot to do with our agenda. And like, I don't know why the gap or Old Navy or, you know, You know
1: what?
0: Churches. I was about to say. Churches were shut down. Everything was shut down. Yeah, it just seemed interesting to like, I was like, well, he thinks thinks that a whole lot of the world is more pro-LGBT than they are if he thinks that literally everything was shut down, but grocery stores and gas stations, everything else, pro-LGBTQ.
1: Maybe we have a lot of support. Maybe we just have a lot of support. So he just went. He just started listing things. Target, also, target, target. those pride flags.
0: Him th- him being an end times author, you know what's great about writing about the end times is nobody can prove you wrong till it happens. Well, You know, it's yeah. like writing fiction, you know? Oh, it's good as long as you put it the year far enough away, you know, how can anybody argue with this? Is what's gonna happen in the end times? Okay, sure, Kirk Cameron, whatever. I was so scared of the end times when I was a kid. Oh my God. We had
1: this Sunday school teacher, Miss Lane. She had it all figured out. It was the planets were aligning one around Christmas. I didn't think I was gonna get Christmas presents that year and I that I was gonna be left behind. Remember that there was wasn't there a movie called Left
0: Behind? Yep. Kirk Cameron, that's what I'm talking about. Tim LaHaye wrote thirteen or whatever books in that Left Behind series. I read every one of them. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. This fictionalization, and they made the first one a movie, and then I don't, and then I forget why it fell apart. Maybe they made the second one, or that was right about the time I got real busy second dick, uh, so I forgot to pay attention.
1: I never saw any of the movies.
0: I think I saw one of them when I was a kid, but it was before. Kirk no, King. these were, yeah. That was left, the Left Behind series is, was way after that. Tim LaHaye was right knees like in the nine eighties and nineties. Well, on this there were some
1: other ones, but I can't remember. Oh, of course. And well, of course, there were all the
0: songs. But yes,
1: I wish we'd all been ready.
0: <laughs> I mean, I just feel that on the daily basis, much less the end times. I just I wish we'd all been ready. Wish we'd all been ready for this show. Wish we'd all been ready for tomorrow. Wish we'd all been ready for that live stream that we're doing on August 22nd. In case we you forgot, be. we will be ready. insertion. Uh, commercial. Make sure that you've set your calendars and clocks 5 p.m. Sunday, August 22nd for our uh, 20th anniversary Southern Baptist Sissies live stream to benefit 25 nonprofit theater companies and the Dell Shores Foundation Writer Search. For info, go to foundation.org But I shared this today. Think These five original sissies, Robert Louis Stevenson, Michael Taylor Gray, the original Mark and Benny, and then of course Scott Presley, you know, was Roger from the Beehive who played Benny. Ted Detweiler, who was Jacob and sort of Lives the series, who played TJ just for a decade, and Tommy Waffle, who was on the board of the Del Shores Foundation, who played Andrew. They will all be joining us, so make sure you don't miss it.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, awesome. can't y'all wait.
0: Y'all know it's important to us. Tune in um and then in our next story this out of hong kong you know i like paying attention to what's happening uh to our community around the world uh and there's an incredible activist in hong kong who has been doing a ton of work for both the lgbt community and uh pro-democracy and they've been really struggling the last two years jimmy shams kit is a prominent voice in the movement and an advocate for our community. And he was arrested and charged in February under a brand new national security law imposed in Hong Kong by the Chinese government. They just put this law into place last year specifically to target pro-democracy, activism and elections. It criminalizes inciting rebellion against the state, secession and subversion of the state. He was one of 47 activists arrested for participating in an election organized by the opposition, a pro-democracy election. They made an election and then they arrested him for subverting the state. He's been in detention since then. Amnesty International's doing great work, really advocating on his behalf to try to get him out because they have kept him uh, in jail since the arrest. They want them to drop the charges and release him. Sham, who is a convener of the Civil Human Rights Front, and secretary of the LGBTQ organization, Rainbow of Hong Kong, married his husband in New York in 2014. Now I'm gonna put the Amnesty International petition in the chat if you wanna sign that to support him. But just thinking about, you know, you got married in New York, went back to where you are from to support your community there and how being willing to put yourself in danger, to be arrested, to sit in prison for your belief in democracy and the rights of our community, uh, applauding his bravery and keeping the visibility high so that he doesn't disappear
1: Yeah, uh, Yes Well, yeah, well, let's, let's all sign that uh, Do we have a commercial? Is this a commercial? Oh, I can do thing? that
0: right now too That's is, is a great time because we've reached the halfway house of our show If y'all enjoy what we do here uh, bringing you the news and the nonsense. We work hard to keep it both informative and entertaining. You can send us a tip on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to BeardCollinsShoresProductions at gmail.com. I share those tips with Dell Shores. I promise I do. Uh, and we appreciate those of you who can contribute a dollar or 20 or a thousand. Or, you know, if you just want to write us a check for a million dollars, we'll put it to good use. I promise.
1: Yes. Uh, so yes.
0: You- We work hard and we keep the show free, and like so many others who you know do it on Patreon or subscribers, and we just share our nonsense with all of you. And if you can't uh, tip, that is fine. Sharing the broadcast, writing reviews, giving us five stars on iTunes, are all non-financial ways
1: to support
0: us. And a huge thank you to Bob Villenberg, who's already tipped today.
1: Bob, we always thank you. So you you're you're so consistent. Thank you so much. I know you already gave to. The Southern Baptist Sissies, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I thought I saw, maybe I get mixed up. I don't know. But I see your name a lot. So we appreciate your support. All right. Y'all watching the Olympics still? I watched a little last night. Uh, I, oh, I, you know, Rebecca's got me into Game of Thrones. So, it, you know, I it's hard for me to flip over to the Olympics. But I always try to get the highlights afterwards. Uh, 10, guys. LGBTQ. Uh, participants, uh, Olympians have we've got uh, we, we they're in 10th place with 23 medals. If we were a country, if the LGBTQ was a country, we would be in 10th place with 23
0: medals. I, I love that stat. Outsports keeps track of it, of course. Uh, they're giving you all the news on LGBTQ Olympians. But I love knowing that, stack because it's like, you know, those people who used to say, ship us all off to an island and we'd, you know, die off out there. Well, if we were on our own little island, we'd be 10th place in the Olympics. And I love that. And that's just the ones we
1: know about.
0: There, might, right. be,
1: there might be a couple of other ones that are not quite out yet. Yeah, there's for still, safety reasons, of,
0: for political reasons.
1: There's a lot of countries and it's not so easy. Uh, and some have some have come out in countries that were not so easy. So... Uh, we got to applaud all of our LGBTQ people uh, that are our athletes who are in 10th place. Okay. We, we, we shared some really beautiful news the other day about Raven Saunders winning silver in the shot put and her demonstration of the Olympic on the Olympics podium with her arms and the X remember that for the intersection of where all people are, uh, of, are, who are oppressed meet. But unfortunately News has come out that Raven's mother, Clarissa Saunders, passed away shortly after Raven won at a group watch party. Uh, she was in Orlando with another one of her daughters. And on Instagram, Raven said, my heart and my soul cries out, but I know my mom is in a great space. I miss your love, your smile, your hugs, your advice, your jokingness, your random twerks. Our last conversation was the best ever, Mama. I know you love me with every fiber in your body. I'll make sure Tansy is okay and taken care of. Your grandkids were born. Uh, who, when when born, will know how wonderful and a beautiful of a, a woman that you were. So boy, I mean, there's so, there's such sadness there. But in reading the story, I thought I'm so glad she got to see that.
0: Yeah. That, see her daughter win right before. It's also such a great reminder, too, of, you know, that life life, life continues to come at us at all times, right? It reminds me of Shakari Richardson, right, and her mother dying right before the Olympic trials and thinking about what it means when, like, big life tragedies and big life successes are sort of permanently tied together. So with all Raven's talked about her own uh, challenges she's been through and her own mental health, I hope the people around her, you know, lift her up and support her and they all hold each other close as they grieve and also celebrate this uh, incredible thing that she accomplished. Yes. Yeah. But, well, in fun Olympic news, y'all know with all the things that I love, uh, the men's platform diving uh, returns tonight, tomorrow morning, I think it's tomorrow morning there. Um, and I wanted to share beyond Tom Daly, of course, who we've talked about his thrilling uh, win in this pairs synchro, Uh, There's two divers to keep an eye on beyond him. Timo Barthel on the left on your screen of Germany, who doesn't identify as gay or straight, but simply identifies as human. Uh, He's added rainbow emojis and LGBT hashtags to his posts and he wore this pride shirt. So uh, at the very least a supporter of our community, if not even an overt direct member um, and handsome. And then the other on the right is straight ally, uh, Jordan Windle. And his story is amazing. His adoptive father, Jerry, is gay. He was adopted at 18 months and he's a huge LGBTQ rights advocate and ally. They wrote a children's book together called An Orphan No More. He's contributed to It Gets Better and he's been mentored by Greg Louganis to the point where he was nicknamed the Little Louganis. So like definitively a strong representation of an ally of our community. So of course we'll be chatting about the results of that next week. And then one other uh, celebration from our community. Out of the Philippines, uh, got silver in the featherweight boxing. Nesti uh won a boxing medal, the first medal for her country in boxing since 1996. And on the podium, she congratulated her opponent and said, I'm very honored to represent the Philippines. I cried earlier because I wanted to dedicate the gold to coach Nolito Velasco. We came up short, but I did my best in the ring. And she also said, I'm proud to be a part of the LGBTQ community. This fight is also for the LGBTQ community. Y'all, disability matters, being seen matters. These athletes at the pinnacle of their lives and careers choosing to stand up and say uh, they want to be seen as one of us is just so amazing and impressive and applauding all of it on top of the incredible work they had to do to get there.
1: Yes. I hope we go into eighth place. That if we were a country, we go into, I want
0: to go to eighth. I know. Um, it's crazy. It's up, all be over. Days, we could on Sunday, all be over. So by Tuesday, we'll know where we landed. Yes, we sure will. You know, uh, I,
1: I don't know if y'all remember this story, but a while back, we shared the story of Javier uh, Vilata. He's a bisexual man in Spain, and he was sued by his ex-wife for emotional damages, even though they've been divorced for over a decade. She accused him of hiding his homosexuality and won a settlement of 10,000 euros for each year they were married. Now, that adds up. Uh, that ruling was just overturned. The court decided that the original judge was out of line by forcing Villato to testify about his sexuality. It was discriminatory and an invasion of his privacy. And he was, re- pleased, he was so pleased with the results, of course, and he said, exposing this process and my public judgment should serve to spur a critical look by the public at large. What are the rights to intimacy? Privacy are equality laws for. It is something that political representata- representatives must consider, that they must receive the message, assume that this continues to happen and that it is in their hands to proceed so that no one is forced to face a lawsuit for their sexuality. It's
0: a bullshit lawsuit, really a bullshit lawsuit. It really is crazy when you think about like the impact of that, right? That like the idea that coming out would then make you able to be liable to the person uh, from a previous part of your life and what that would do to keeping people in the closet, people who didn't realize or who were discovering their sexuality later, like the threat that is uh, particularly in places where it's dangerous to come out and force people to stay in the closet. It was bonkers that it passed in the first place. So it's amazing that the later judge overturned it and specifically talked about the first judge being bigoted in the decision basically. And her just being an asshole, for suing him in the first place. Like they've been sort of friendly 10 years after they got divorced, and she said, Oh, I can get money out of you, uh, pursuing you for, quote, uh, for like lying to me about your sexuality. Y'all, it's trash right here.
1: (laughs) I can't hear it. It's so loud. It's like. they
0: rolling up the hill on you? Oh, they're just, they're dumping the trash. Well,. Um, I got to hide. I don't want to get taken out. With, I don't want to get confused. I'm a bit of a trash bag myself at times. <laughs> um, Up next, I would, I had not found a photo and I had to go find it. Okay, are you watching The White Lotus? Yes, I On am. HBO. Is anybody else watching it? We uh, are. Yes, me and my girls. Spoiler alert, because we're about to discuss the most recent episode. So if you are not caught up or plan to watch it later, it's, uh, it's uh, Mike what's his name? Is it Mike White? Yeah, Mike White. Is Mike here. White's new series. It's basically about rich white people ennui set at a resort in Hawaii. So you know, rich people, rich white people struggling. Uh, well, Sunday's in it, but it stars Connie Britton, Jennifer Coolidge, who's doing just exquisite work, of yes. course. And Murray Bartlett, who's out, was one of the stars of looking. And I just recently, in my Sex in the City rewatch, realized that he was the like fancy shoe hookup for Carrie in that episode where they met at the gay bar where Andy Cohen is an extra. Yay. That's Martin Martin, yes. is the main oh guest star God. of that episode. And I remember him so well from looking and he's fantastic in White Lotus. y'all? Well, yeah. such a flawed character. I mean, everybody like, but it is, it's just rich white people struggling. I'm like, I'm enjoying it, but not quite as much as everybody else it seems. I'm like, okay, why do I care? Uh, but on um, Sunday night, Uh, Murray Bartlett's character uh, propositioned one of his underlings, played by Lucas Gage, and y'all, they ended up in a scene where there's about to be brief re-nudity on camera, you've been warned, where this moment happened. A quick flash. Okay, they did drugs, he propositioned him, they got to it, and then they were walked in a pond with Murray Bartlett in between Lucas Gage's butt cheeks, basically. Now, they talked about it in an interview to the AB Club and Logo, and Murray said... It felt right in terms of the shock value and it felt great in terms of let's show something that is a natural part of sex for a lot of queer people. It serves the scene in such a great way. I didn't have a lot of questions and I feel like the director didn't really need to explain a lot of stuff, we just played. Honestly, we didn't have a lot of conversations outside of just working on the scenes at the time. Lucas Gage said, I can't wait for my ass to get retweeted all over the internet. I mean, how often do we see that on TV? I think it's much more interesting and more jarring to walk in on.
1: I do. I, I was stunned, and I thought, "Wow! Not since Queerest Folk that we have a good ass-eating scene." Well, um, looking definitely did. Jonathan Groff's legs were definitely up in the air. Yeah, they did. That's true. They did. Um, but, they, but you know what? As I, I, I mean, I, that was that. Talk about uh, the ending of the episode. That was the that was the the tail end that was of the episode. That.
0: That literally the tail end. Yeah. But it, it was funny though, because people kept calling it a rim job. And of course on our sofa, I was like, no, he yeah. might be on his way to the analingus, but right now he's just at the upper crack portion of the adventure. And let's be honest, if you're really going to get in there and do what you want to do, he's going to have to bend over that desk. That's real oh, hard. Yeah. to get While you're standing straight up, you need access.
1: But uh, uh, this is, Lucas, Lucas Gage actually has another, Level of notoriety. I think we did the, sh- the, the it on this show. He's the one who was heard the director when he was auditioning and and videotape the Zoom where the director said, "I can't believe you know this British director was going. I can't believe how these actors live in these little hovels of existence." And uh-huh. and he,
0: he it went crazy viral for him, and he got all this support from like huge huge people. Well, I, yeah, clearly he was not really struggling as an actor anyway, but I assume it was not this job he was doing that audition for. Cause. No, it was not. Wouldn't it be great it if that's it. why he got this, though, was because he shared that awkward Zoom interview and now get the ass eat on HBO. Yeah, there you go. Um,
1: well, you know, we've talked about Drag Queen Hour a lot on this show and, and you know, in the the. the all these moms and these people just objecting, but in Lincoln, uh, children at the Lincoln Children Museum in Lincoln, Nebraska, they announced they had to postpone a private, private after-hours event planned because they had received an overwhelming amount of threats of violence. The event was for less than fifty guests by RSVP only, alongside Out Nebraska and Drag Queen Story Hour, uh, uh, Nebraska. The museum explained on Instagram, over the past few days, the Lincoln Children's Museum and event host out in Nebraska have both received an overwhelming number of threats of violence against our organizations, many going as far as death threats. Uh, Not having children in our building to create, discover, and learn through the power of play breaks our heart. Uh, Lincoln's mayor came out against the threats and a police officer offered to come off duty, and keep everybody safe. But, you know, just the simplest, most beautiful act of a drag queen, a clown, as Emerson said, just a clown reading a children's book. And that that warrants a death threat and had to cancel this thing.
0: Yeah, and one, this was a private after-hours event, ticketed. RSVP required. So like you were only gonna be at this by absolutely choosing to, and it wasn't inconveniencing the library. They shouldn't even have to go that far. Like if you wanna have a middle of the afternoon story hour, you still don't have to take your kids to it. No one is forcing the town's children to watch a drag queen read a book. And I did some looking. Their drag queen story hour, they do background checks on the drag queens because they're gonna be working with kids. They make sure that their sets, their content, the character is all child friendly. It's just a silly, happy dress up, reason to get kids excited about reading books and some people cannot handle that so much that they send death threats. It's just, I don't understand. It's like people's brains are just broken, you know? Yeah. They get broken by things they are afraid of or don't understand. And then the rest of us have to deal with the consequences of the way that they lash out verbally, violently, with threats in our communities. I mean, it's just thinking about being these queens. Like, I'm just showing up to read a book, to, like, give up my time and service, to work with children, to inspire children, to encourage children. And somebody says, you should die for the way you want to do it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm. And oh, it's, about, okay. you know, it's like uh, Emerson. It's uh, you know just a little bit more about this. These, 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 these yes, crazy people are the ones who makes the de- the death threats. But it's people like that that legitimize themselves, like these million dollar. these I always say the million dollar moms. It's not million dollar, but the, um, the million moms. It's only you know a hundred thousand. They're they're the people who 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 activate. They're the
0: ones who who radicalize some of yeah. these people. Yeah, absolutely. Tucker Carlson over there in Hungary, pretended like this authoritarian despot who clearly hates our community is just some regular, like, you know, there's so many ways and so many people who contribute uh, and pander to these people's fear. And then the result is those people violently lashing out at things they don't understand and are therefore afraid of. (laughs) Uh, But in good news, they got a ton of support. They did a fundraiser in support of it and raised some good money. So... It also rallies advocates and allies to speak up, to stand loudly, to stand behind and defend people, uh, which is also uh, a great silver lining of sorts to still uh, a horrible launch to the situation. All right, rolling on. Uh, Lesbian judges. You know, Joe Biden in his campaigning said he really wanted to make sure that our elected officials, his, his government, our judiciary represented what America actually looks like. And on his journey to accomplishing that, he has nominated two uh, lesbian judges in his latest rounds of judicial nominations. It's, uh, the first is Beth Robinson. She's an associate judge on the Vermont Supreme Court for the last 10 years. She's nominated for a seat on the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. If confirmed, she'd be the first openly LGBTQ woman on a US appeals court. She was also an attorney in the Baker v. State case 22 years ago in 99, which led to Vermont being the first state to have civil unions. The second is Charlotte Sweeney, whose appointment to the US District Court for Colorado would make her the first openly LGBTQ judge in Colorado and first in a federal district court west of the Mississippi. I love a specific first, like Western United States only. Her current practice uh, represents individuals in employment law, discrimination, sexual harassment, whistleblowers, And she's treasurer on the board of directors for the Matthew Shepard Foundation. So two incredibly accomplished out members of our community who would be incredible additions to the judiciary and Biden sticking to what he said ensuring that we are represented.
1: That's love that story. I'm so glad you are keeping us off on things like that. You know,
0: it's the little details, the things. I I love it. I don't know. I get a little excited every time. Like every little, you know, every little... Uh, every little step gets us to the point where there's no, we don't have to ever say again, the first.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Miranda Lambert,
1: y'all, we got to love our Texas girl, Miranda Lambert from Lindale, Texas. Uh, She has uh, just released a remix of her her career, first remix of her career, of her song Tequila Does. Uh, And the video is a big pride event Um, And it features her brother, Luke Lambert, and his husband, Mark, along with some of their close friends. Uh, Luke said, when Miranda played the remix for me and my husband, Mark, we instantly just loved it. So, of course, we jumped at the chance to bring our best friends to Nashville to be in the video. We had such a blast. By the end of the night, we forgot cameras were rolling. And the tequila certainly helped. So that was not prop liquor like that we usually use And And, uh, you know, on our sets, she had the real stuff. She said, this is my first remix of any song my whole career. I knew it was right up my brother's uh, Luke's alley. So I sent it to him to see what he and Mark thought. They loved it. And they gave me the confidence to put it out there. So much fun. I thought, why not invite my family and friends out to my farm and shoot it at my vintage trailer park? And it is, y'all, I watched that video. It is shot in her. Miranda Lambert has a trailer park, has a trailer park. I thought that's the way to embrace your East Texas roots. Yes. So on the way to the doctor, I was telling Rebecca about it, and she said, Oh, I love the original.
0: So I we we listened to both versions. I just love it. You know, I love that the the choice. I love that he was he and his husband Mark, Luke and Mark were willing to be in the video. I love how it's and it's not like a little bit our community. It's like a rainbow extravaganza. There's hot boys, there's like a wide range of bodies and colors and diversity of our community in it and it's a big old celebration and they do a big old line dance at the end um and that her willingness to advocate you know in the world of country be like yeah here's a remix here's who I celebrate love it she's looking fine these days Miss Lambert well and you know I've been a huge fan since the beginning I love her music I love her persona we've uh watched as she's amazing the pistol annies is still one of my favorite things to come out of country music in forever uh just adore her and what she does and what she talks about i think
1: i caught a little like there was a cup in the video that said pistol annies on it if i'm not
0: mistaken nice Um, just a little i love the pistol annies love 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 the pistol yes And, and his willingness, you know, Luke and Mark's willingness to step up in front of the, the country audience and be seen with her and, and seen and out. You know, that's a choice too, a, a choice to join in her celebrity. Uh, and just so huge applause to the Lamberts and Mark and all their friends and family and inviting us all to this big old gay park, backyard trailer park party. This is, I thought you were going to say, this big old homo hoedown in Beretta. Oh, that's better, that's much better, that's much better. I love it. Yay, Miranda. But y'all watch the video. Download the remix, support, encourage, all that stuff. Um, And then a quick little update out of Tennessee. I did the show difference this time. The law is at the end, not the beginning. Tennessee's now being sued over their anti-LGBTQ bill that passed, that one that gave cisgender students the right to sue school districts if they found a trans student in the restroom, right? Like you walk into a bathroom, know somebody's trans, you can sue the school district. Family of a trans 14-year-old boy is also a plaintiff, and they talked about he never uses the bathroom at school because he's not allowed to use the boy's restroom. He doesn't want to be misgendered or outed, so he avoids drinking water at school and runs home right after to use the bathroom. Think about this. School is so hard. Being a teenager is so hard, but going through puberty is impossible. Adolescence is terrible as a concept, and on top of that, having to think all day long, please don't need to use the bathroom. Um, And this goes along with the injunction we already talked about against that bonkers post a sign about trans people in the bathroom or face six months in jail bill. So fighting hard against the bigots in the Tennessee legislature. It's amazing how much. um, I mean,
1: there's a lot of anti-gay, anti-trans, lots of bills that we have have reported on here and still happening. But Tennessee, I mean I'd love to see the stats it feels like to me Tennessee is
0: racing ahead of everybody it, I do think in numbers that they've passed the most um I do believe that's the case I can verify that uh, but there you know Tennessee Arkansas at the front of the pack of those that actually like got them across the finish line and signed. so got we gotta say you know
1: thank you to all of us our, 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 our folks in Tennessee and Arkansas and Alabama, Mississippi, where a lot in Texas, Florida, uh, Florida, all this shit's going down and you're staying there and you're fighting the good fight and we appreciate you.
0: Absolutely. But to end our early Friday show on a high note, I just wanted to talk for a moment about Christopher Maloney's ass, you know, and, I, and, and I'm not speaking out of school because he did a whole article about it. Seriously, though, he's Christopher Maloney's on the cover of Men's Health at age 60. And yes, they give lots of attention to his ass. The photo on your left was from his new Law & Order show that he went back to this year, broke the internet earlier this summer. So then here's a whole article featuring a gorgeous man. The writer of the article, Anna Peel, told him he's having a cultural moment. And he said, my ass is. Then he said, it's cool as shit. And towards the end of the article, she told him she'd been killing flies with incredible accuracy lately. And Melody's response was, I catch flies with my ass cheeks, like a Venus flytrap. And then he giggled and said, I'm clever with my ass cheeks and laughed. And I just appreciate so much his willingness to enjoy the attention, how much it says about his comfort. I mean, he's had it out in, since Oz and Wet Hot American Summer, it's been on display. And I appreciate that he just knows that it's having the moment and he's enjoying every bit of it.
1: Well, uh, he puts the <laughs> big thing in daddy. I mean, you know, all of you young guys who are into daddies, I think Chris Malone,
0: Maloney is, is the, the king daddy. Well, but then they talked about in the article that he got the zaddy with a Z and also they had to explain that that was like for an older gentleman and it was a, a term, uh, it was a compliment term from our youngest generation. Um, but they really did talk a lot about his ass it's also a great article you should go read it in mental health he talks about leaving svu the first time when they wouldn't uh, up his pay and he just said no they said take it or leave it and he left it then they came back to him with a new show he talked about having anxiety attacks uh when he got his first show uh and everything was sort of happening in his careers so talks about mental health just an amazing man on the journey he's been on through our industry so Enjoy his ass, enjoy his words. He doesn't mind you looking at it. And I appreciate that we have that consent. Yeah, well, wow. and if you ever get bored, yeah. just Google him. One of those pictures on the internet when, uh, in, in from Oz, Jeez. Yes, those earliest days, that meant so much to so many of us, made us uncomfortable with those prison fantasies. <laughs> well, it's like one of the first big gay storylines I remember, was that like, you know, weird, bad love story between the two of them but it was like really sort of happening on screen and it was early in our i mean what year was it was early it was like it was like 25 years ago wasn't
1: it i mean it was long time long time ago erica no we're not gonna wait on that y'all erica has updated us she's done with the rv tires Uh, (laughs) as we track Erica through the show. And
0: now she's in her smallest, small car. They have a smart car. (laughs) Thank you, Erica, for that final update. And one last time, thank you so much for tuning in early on this Friday. We'll be back on Tuesday at our regular time. If you want to send us a tip, uh, thanks to Bob, who's the only one so far, uh, on Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal, Productions at gmail.com. You got going for your week. What? You got, are we done? Yes.
1: Oh, okay. I was gonna ask you about your weekend plans, but we
0: we done. Uh, no. Yo, you got anything important besides teaching class? Nothing. Fun things? Nothing. Just just I, it. Y'all, I got a well a lot of work to do on that Southern Baptist Sissy's reunion. I'll be working on that. Uh, so y'all make plans to tune in. Foundation.org. That's it. Y'all have a great weekend and thanks
1: for tuning in early for us. We will be back on Tuesday at four o'clock.
0: Bye-bye y'all.
1: Bye.